I have no goal to how many people I could find that are illegal or how many people I could throw out of an event. It's uh, I truly want everybody to race and, uh, and I want them to enjoy it and, and continue their passion, rebuild their passion or find their passion. And let's go racing. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com. And by the way, classracingtoday.com is better now and is getting better by the day. Uh, Go check it out, classracingtoday.com. New website. Bobby's been adding new content. Uh, There's also... The long-awaited option for you listeners to help support the show, there's a donate button in about three spots on there. Um, The neat part about that is you get to choose what that value is. The value that you get out of the show, you get to decide what that number is and send it our way so we can continue to do these uh, these podcasts. Uh, Brian is back from basking in the sun um, somewhere south of us uh, where there was no longer snow. How are you, Brian? I'm good. You know, the thing I uh, forgot when we went to Florida, so my sister-in-law had this whole family pictures at the beach thing. <laughs> I forget I wear a hat 99% of the time. So when I comb my hair on the very, beach in the sunset, I wide like, forehead. like a cone head. Like I told my wife, I'm like, can't they just shrink my head down about four That's inches? Because, awesome. oh, it looks so ridiculous. I'm like, why is my head so white? She's like, because you wear a hat too much. I'm like, oh. Well, so what did we learn I like South Dakota. I was happy to get away from there. Like, it was all right for three, four days. It was warm, but yeah, I like my forty degrees, fifty degrees. I'm fat. I like to wear a sweatshirt. Well, at least yeah. you're aware of it, right? Yeah. Class racing today at gmail.com. If you have any comments or uh, questions or want to help uh, sponsor the show at a corporate level, you can certainly do that as well. Send us a note there if you want a t-shirt or hat. Uh, sorry, not had no hats yet. A t-shirt or sticker. Um, you can check that out, Bobby. I was, uh, I was jealous back, of Bobby. In, he was at PRIO. I know. Just partying it up? Maybe. How are you, Bobby? I'm doing well. A little bit under the weather, but I had a great time at PRI. And for my first time, my wife and I, we went. Um, and what an experience. So many vendors. Uh, we got there Thursday evening, just in time for the happy hour. That was at Lucas Oil Stadium. Just in Ran time. Ran into some Perfect. familiar faces. <laughs> and uh, Friday and Saturday, we just we walked vendor to vendor, just meeting so many. And um, boy, it was it was wonderful. I even got interviewed by Tony Pedragon uh, of NHRA, the former Funny Car Champion. Asked me a few questions about class racing and uh, and my own win at Maple Grove a few months ago, which was cool. And um, that, it was cool to just be interview. able to go around to vendors and say like, "Hey, uh, I run your like, hey, Crower, I run your stuff, or That's hey, cool. yeah. Manly, hey, uh, I run CP Carrillo." Like, it was cool to actually talk to people about you know the stuff that I'm running in my car, uh, McLeod, which the owner of McLeod is Paul Lee, the funny car racer, and uh, he lived on the same street that I live on right now, and I had no idea about that hmm. in my life. So he's a he's a Jersey guy who moved out to California. That's cool. But, that, um, that interview, by the way, can be seen on the Facebook page and the YouTube page, as well as uh, ClassRacingToday.com. Well, and in, among the many people I met at PRI, I did spend a significant amount of time at the NHRA booth, where I met the gentleman we are about to speak to right now. Schmoozing, newly, perhaps? 
schmoozing hey 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 <laughs> need a little horsepower reduction my name is bobby fazio mr grim i will be addressing you as mr grim dr grim so now he this this uh uh tech director that we have right now is a is a racers tech director uh, I did see him in Indy. I tried to talk to him, but he was always in a conversation with somebody and I didn't want to uh, bother him, but I was glad that I got to talk to him at PRI, uh, a very nice gentleman, well-spoken, and um, he seems like he's got a lot of good ideas for, I guess, improving relationships with with racers, bringing a more transparent and positive experience to the, to the sportsman racers. So, uh, well, let's have a chat with him. Let's give it up for Mr. Lonnie Grimm. Lonnie, how are you doing, sir? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Bobby. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, we dropped into conversation at PRI like we were some long lost friends and, uh, the, uh, uh, I wish we would have been able to have those conversations earlier at Indy. Uh, Indy was a little bit crazy, but, uh, between teardown barn and everything else going on. But, uh, but again, uh, very much enjoyed meeting you and your wife at uh, at PRI, and look forward to a long lasting friendship. So, do you prefer what type? What's your favorite type of cookie? Like, do you like meat and cheese boards, like a charcuterie board, or do you like chocolate chip cookies? You know, if we run into you, how do we uh, how do we get that relationship solidified? No, no, no. So, I, so I do look like I eat a few less cookies these days than I did eat before. So, but uh, yeah, it's uh, hey. It's all about uh, it's all about friendships and relationships, and uh, some people can separate business from friendships, and I and I happen to be able to do that, and uh, so, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, one of the mottos is "Don't do for one what you won't do for all." So, it's a tough call right now what you have because you do seem like a very nice uh, gentleman, and at times you have to be, you know, you have to be the firm firm but fair jerk sometimes i mean and not uh you wouldn't say that you're being the jerk but to a racer that you have to tell no to or say hey this is illegal you're going to come across as as the jerk so how do you feel you know i'm sure you had to give that a lot of thought before you stepped into this role so how did how did this come about so i've been being that guy for the last 13 years so i've been everywhere I say everywhere is a big word, but I've been at most large scale, successful events, motorsports events that's outside of NHRA. So, uh, so I have been that guy, I have written the rules. I've been the guy that writes the rules, takes the cars, goes to the tower, runs the race, helps maintain or gather the sponsor. Sometimes there's a small team. Sometimes there's a larger team. But uh, at the end of the day, everybody's at the same goal. So uh, I really come from, if we go back and interview me at seven years old, you, you'd say that's the, that's the hottest headed, short tempered kid you've ever seen in your life. And uh, which I was, it made me pretty tough back then because I usually said the wrong things to the wrong people. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, we're a little too big for my britches sometimes. But, uh, but nowadays we talk about, 40 plus years later, the, uh, I don't have buttons that can get pushed at the racetrack. I don't take any of it personal. Um, if, if you do have to firm up and say no, no, still the answer. And that's not going to change in the immediate future, like in the next 10 minutes or the next three days. But, uh, at the same token, 
there is a right and a way, right and a wrong way to talk to a customer. Uh, if uh, if the answer is no, and we have a moment in time right then to explain why that answer is no, and here it is in the rule book, and, and it's not my interpretation. Starts with a capital, ends with a period. Uh, there's there's three things about a sentence in a rule book: yes, no, or doesn't apply. And uh, so, again, don't take any of it personal. And in some time, some cases, you're going to be doing this with a guy that you really consider to be your friend or that family is really nice. And some people are nice just because down the road they need something. But uh, for me, I say that I'm genuinely nice all the time. And uh, and again, it just comes back to a, a right and a wrong way to visit with a customer. I'm going to be that guy that's probably going to get in trouble sometimes when when a relationship or a friendship is developed over the years that racing NHRA and, and Bobby Fazio comes turning off the top end of the racetrack, similar to what he did at Maple Grove. And, and he's fixing to collect a Wally and I'm down there high-fiving. Well, to somebody that's going to think, you know, we're tight. We're, we're buddies. We're whatever. No, man. <clears throat> if I would have known you, if I not even known you, but if I'd have been close at Maple Grove, whenever you collected your Wally, I'd have been the guy that was high-fiving and had a tear in my eye when you're giving your interview. Uh, because I've been there, I know what it feels like. I know what the effort, I know what the the mountain of struggle is, and uh, and, and I was fortunate to win some in NHRA, uh, both divisionally and nationally. And uh, and it really, at the end of the day, it's about how you treat the customer. You're not going to make everybody happy, and not everybody's going to accept your explanation. But uh, but if you're willing to take the time, uh, I think it goes a long ways. That's good that you are willing to always, as you, as you said to me, um, if the answer is no or whatever the answer is, you will follow that up with an explanation. And I think that goes a long way. You're not just going to, you know, leave, leave a racer, uh, I guess, hanging and, and, uh, you will, it seems like you'd be an approachable, uh, tech official. Somebody has to talk to you about something you are willing to listen. If you are busy, uh, you've said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm busy right now. I will definitely get back to you on this. You're not going to blow any racers off from what you've told me. So it seems like just that in, in and of itself is going to be a, a, a nice move forward for sportsman racing. Um, but you did say that you did, that you raced. Can you share a little bit of your racing background with us? So <clears throat> I was that young man that, uh, uh, my jacked up four wheel drive at 16, 17 years old turned into, uh, turned into a little bit of a hot rod 82 Corvette uh, that uh, I decided I was going to try to pro street. And uh, then that turned into 67 Chevy two and street raced around here a little bit and finally ended up managing to get it to the racetrack. And so the bug bit early, I was a uh, motorcycle and four wheeler racer growing up till I was old enough to drive. Um, so uh, so racing's kind of been in my blood since a very young age. And, uh, so, yeah, so I, I raced locally and bracket raced and, and, uh, the, some of my, some of my first experiences in a, in a real race car was like, a, a first real, real tube chassis race car was a, was a sea altered comp car. And, uh, we bought this thing and at the time a 522 seemed like a mountain motor so i had a 522 built and put it in it and and i remember going to the racetrack and uh, and in some regards uh some guys that had been racing and were a little bit older were helping me through that 
And uh, this is back when everybody smoked. And so I go up there and I do my first burnout. And I think that, gosh, dang, man, I just did. I, I must have just looked like uh, Daryl Alderman or Warren Johnson. I know that this I hope somebody got a picture of it. There was a guy helping me and he was real dry, sense of humor guy. And he took a cigarette, put it in his mouth, puffed on that cigarette, blowed just a little bit of smoke. And he goes, he goes, I just smoked. I, I just blew more smoke than came off your tires in that burnout. <laughs> yeah. So he said, dude, he said, back up and do that again. So it was, you know, so my mentorship along the way was guys that were very rough, very, very crude, uh, very to the point, but, uh, but made me a, developed me into a very good racer early on. Uh, so went through the whole bracket race, the big money bracket race stuff, uh, traveled to Florida. Seemed to, we all used to say we lived in Florida in November. There was three five-day races uh, in Florida back then, $10,000 a day. And so for years, that was the normal deal spent uh, Thanksgiving in Florida. Um, so, we, so we moved that along. And then, uh, eventually, I decided that uh, I want to try my hand at Super Comp. My inaugural national event was the, uh, was the, my first national event was the inaugural Vegas national event. That's a whole nother podcast story of how all that took place and how I got to run a national event with zero grade points. But, uh, uh, I met some of the officials from NHRA and, uh, they weren't very happy that I was, uh, racing the national event with zero grade points. But, uh, back then there was sponsor points and, uh, there, there was other ways that, that you managed to get in and they were gracious enough to agree to let me in. And that was my, uh, I think I went, I think I went to the fifth round and just, uh, so my, the NHRA bug bit then. And, uh, and so that turned into, uh, eventually added super gas Corvette that uh, was very successful in along with the dragster. And then, uh, uh, if you back up just a little bit through, uh, my parents had a very successful business. And so I got to go do things because if I couldn't pay a bill at home, they would help me. If I was out working for free, they would actually help me be able to have that opportunity everywhere. I went, I was trying to make money or hustle money or whatever to, to pay the bills, but uh, I had opportunity to work through pro stock in a number of different teams, never burn any bridges there. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, my life was, has been full opportunity and blessed for that. I've got to, if I wanted to learn how to do something, whether it was a panishing hammer, an English wheel, uh, trying to build a, a, a hood for a 34 Ford just out of a flat piece of metal. When I wanted to learn how to do that, I figured out who the best guy was that to, to learn from and uh, put myself to have opportunity to go learn from that person. 95, 96, I'm a, I get interviewed for a job that uh, is going to be a NASCAR. And, uh, the, uh, I think we go through this 12 hour, two day interview. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm probably the gas can guy or the Jack man or the right rear tire guy. Uh, no, I, at the end of this interview, he says, uh, he says, you look like you got a question. I said, I do. I said, what, you know, am I the right rear tire gas man, what, shop sweeper? What he goes, you're the crew chief. I said, I'm the, <laughs> what he goes, you're the crew chief. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. So. <laughs> there's a that's a whole nother story but yeah i mean it worked well the just the large corporate money did come to the team after two years there and so i had opportunity to fall back into nhra with uh, uh and join the borg warner sponsorship with uh 
with Edmund Richardson. And, and so I came back and that's, uh, that's exactly what we did. We proceeded to win the stock world championship with the iStock automatic. The originally Ed Quay built a super stock car that Jeff Steely drove for him. And, uh, I finished that car. Ed Quay roughed it in, did the chassis. And then I got the car and did all the paint body finish work, uh, wire plumbing, and uh, got it to the racetrack and ended up Jeff Steely drove it for a little while. But uh, so that was my early career. And then that then top dragster, top sportsman comes along and and I have a lot of interest in that. And so that's uh, uh, towards the end. That was a little that was a little bit of the flavor of choice was the top dragster, top sportsman. And uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just great stories, hundreds of thousands of miles uh, to seven to 10 divisional events a year and, uh, and that many or more national events and, and, it, and managed usually to find enough money to put fuel in the tank and go the next one, you know, and, and I was well-versed on the mechanical side and the fabrication side. So if we would needed to bend a cage, TIG weld a car up, dive into wiring. Uh, I love the fit finish of the, of the race car. And so the, the wiring in, the fit and finish, the detail that I, I love that end. And that's the end that most people get frustrated and hate. So, uh, so that's my story. And, uh, so then, I, about 2007, uh, had a company approach me and said, Hey, we're going to have an event in Memphis. And, uh, we've got, we think we've got a little electronics problem in this class called EFI. We've got one car goes everywhere in the country, goes, goes like, uh, 1250 and uh, runs 1250 index deal, but it didn't matter if he was, if he was in Norwalk or South Florida or wherever this car showed up, like 1250 was the number. And so they asked me if I would come look and, uh, and my come look was actually nearly taking the dash out of this car after, uh, after qualifying. And, uh, he said, car alarm. Uh, I said, rev limiter. Uh, so, uh, nonetheless, we, uh, we found a way to agree to disagree and, uh, I, the components that I found up underneath the dash wired in the car, I took them out, handed them to him. And I said, and I just handed them to him and I said, I don't expect this to be in the car over the weekend. I said, we're in a pretty safe place. I said, I don't think the car's going to get broke into being that it's your car alarm. So <laughs> nonetheless, uh, he never went 1250 over the weekend, <laughs> so, uh, not even close. So, uh, so that's where that started. And one event that year turned into a few the next year and a few turned into what I call a whole new career. And so for the last 13 years, I've been, uh, doing, uh, I've been at what I would consider to be every large scale successful event that wasn't NHRA. So when we talk drag, uh, drag week, engine masters, uh, LS fest, Ford fest, uh, roadkill nights, uh, just PDRA, NMCA, the, uh, the list is long, very humbled, blessed by that list. And uh, those events have been successful by the way that uh, everybody within the event wants their customer treated. And, uh, and so that's, that's what I bring to NHRA. I, I didn't know for the last 20 plus years that I was working for this job. It wasn't like this job was posted and I answered a call for it. They did reach out and, uh, and evidently had been watching what I was doing and the successfulness of those events. A couple of guys said that they had talked to me in different scenarios 
and it was just the way I interacted with them. So I was on an interview for a while. I just didn't know it. And, uh, and they called Gainesville took place in 2021. Uh, I happened to be at the door slammer world nationals, uh, operating that event for West Buck and Richard Freeman and which was kind of the pro mod pro stock thing. Um, and, uh, we, uh, we had a very successful event there. I got invited to come to Gainesville and sit down with the, uh, with the management team of NHRA and, uh, lo and behold, the very next event is Vegas. And, uh, they said, here's your hat, your radio and your shirt. We'll see you in Vegas. And I show up in Vegas and it's very similar to the whole crew chief NHRA or NASCAR thing. All of a sudden I am the national tech director for the NHRA and, uh, very humbled by that. So that's a pretty vast resume you have there from just seeing different things, which obviously it's all played it. into how you got to where you are now. Is there a lot of tech at those big money races? Like I always figured they just showed up and there wasn't any rules and you just kind of a free for all, but. So for, a, for a long time there, there wasn't, you know, there, the, in fact, uh, even in the NHRA rule book, when I raced here, we always felt like that uh, technology outran the, outran the rule book and, and probably to this day still does to some extent, but, uh, but the more, the more experience you, you have, um, the more you have seen it. And obviously I've wired cars that, uh, that don't compete in a series where there's any rules. And so anything goes, and then I've wired cars that compete in series where very much everything's checked and the wire must be traceable and that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, so part of the, part of my benefit is that I've been able to see a lot of different things and a lot of different facets and a lot of different rule sets. Uh, the, when you talk about the checks at like the big money races. So that wasn't normal for a long time, but, but a big money race was, you know, anything $10,000 was big money. And uh, then, you know, then there was 25 every day and they, oh, you, you know, by all means, somebody throw it a 50, you know, once a year. Well, now there's, there's multiple 500s. There's multiple two fifties, a 50 grander. It's like a five grander sometimes, you know, nowadays. And, uh, so I did get involved with Kyle Riley and uh, Britt Cummins on their event and uh, multiple events across the country over the past couple of years have called and said, Hey, what do we do? How do, where do we look? What people do we need? What, what experience level? And so for a few of those events, I did attend and, uh, the, the million dollar event that, uh, uh, happened up in, uh, at one thirty one, And so I went up, we tore, we went through about 60 cars over the weekend and in a few places, pull them straight off the top of the racetrack, take the body panels and dashes, whatever. And what was, uh, and sometimes it's the perception, you know, if, if you're getting beat and, and big money bracket racing right now, is tough. You can, you can buy great product. You can buy great cars. You can just find somebody with some experience to put it together. And, uh, and all of a sudden you can unload this thing and this thing's double O going dead on and, uh, and high double O and high dead on is not getting it done. There's always one guy that's, you know, found his lucky way through the 40 lights and he was 67 and this other guy broke or, you know, there's always that story at the racetrack through those events, but high double O high dead on is a lot of room to get in on the other end, you know, <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, that racing is tough right now. And because the quality of the product is good. And so 
um, what the perception when you're getting beat in other lane, it's just you can't get that winning time slip. There, there starts to be a lot of talk of I want to blame somebody else. It's not my fault. You know, it's uh, obviously they got to be cheating or there's something going on. I'm not saying that there's not across the board in, in different places. Uh, there's more things that need to be checked. More people need to be aware of electronics that uh, that are available and what they can do. But at SFG Million, I can tell you, I was very proud that when we got to towards the end of the deal, he was the car that won 7AL3, you know. Uh, but uh, other cars along the way had uh, very nice electronics in them. Uh, we, uh, we didn't catch anybody with anything flagrant. Uh, there was a few things that we had some questions about. They rectified those questions or unplugged, unhooked. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I would hope to think that every event out there is like that. I know it's not, but, uh, but at that particular event, we were, uh, and others across the country, like I mentioned, uh, Brett Cummins events, uh, the Randy folks events, there is, there's people there, they are checking, they do know what they're looking for. And I think there is a, I think there is a lot more talk than actuality in, uh, in that world of cheating, just because of the, I feel like that we can put together a great product. If I, if I had time to do that, I mean, it's, uh, the, the product availability really has consistency built into the price tag. Is it NHRA is a desire like I'm new to this thing and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of teardown or tech necessary at the NHRA, but is there a desire to start doing more of that? Or maybe there's a bunch now that I just don't know about. So there is the used to whenever you said we had tech and let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, Bobby's been here a long time. I raced here. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, that although, uh, tech was, uh, tech was going on. It was a difference of tech guys. I mean, uh, so like if I roll my super comp dragster to the lanes and there's a hundred of us and we're trying to get through tech, just, just think about that. You got four five or six tech people at that time. You had a pretty, pretty substantial tech staff. And let's just say you got six people and you got a hundred cars just rolled up. Well, think about that. You know, these cars are going down the racetrack in the next 15 minutes, or it's the day before the race. Well, just set up you got you got 450 cars on property uh and how much time do i want to spend with each car just give it a minute how long is 450 minutes divided by four people you know or or divided by six people i mean just and a minute is not long enough to say you tacked a car what you did is you looked at uh, you covered the legal aspect you looked at their seat belts you looked at their helmet maybe it had a chassis cert as you walked and looked under the hood, you might have seen, did they forget to put the nut on top of the sh uh, shock tower? Uh, you know, is the dual spring on the carburetor? Uh, did I notice the SFI balancer? And all this is like 90 seconds. <laughs> I mean, just, and so the whole idea of not teching anymore really just put the responsibility of the safety gear and the car presented to go down the racetrack on the customer. Uh, and the idea of perception, no tech anymore really was to take that tech time. We were spending just to look at a belt and helmet and spend time to look at a, a air automated shifter in a car. That's not supposed to be in there. Uh, look at, uh, look at this. If we're looking at safety, does the, 
is it an open-ended wheel stud? Can we see the end of the lug? Um, is it more, you know, does a steel concern that has dual spring on, dual return spring on the carburetor, but is it the right carburetor? You know, back whenever you're looking at the dual return spring, I probably could have got away with the Holly where it's supposed to be a quadrajet, you know, because <laughs> the guy was focused on the return spring. So the idea of tech change is more about spot check, safety check. Um, we check a lot of cars as they come off the end of the racetrack. Uh, there's going to be guys that race here for years with me here that goes, I've never been checked. Uh, Bobby, I think, was part of a, uh, some checks that took place at Maple Grove. And so nothing's ever the same. Uh, Maple Grove, we did batteries. We did, uh, I pulled Super Comp, Super Gas over. We had uh, like four or eight cars a piece in those classes. And we went through electronics uh, there. I had a meter and a test light. And uh, so uh, when you understand you, there are tech guys that never have raced and there are great tech guys that never have raced that have experience levels and understanding of rule book and how the car operates from front to back. I say that they could go race, meaning that they have enough education and experience with the car with never sitting in the driver's seat. But one advantage is whenever you do have a guy or a tech person that has sat in the driver's seat, if you have any time a tech person understands how to race the class makes for a much better tech person. So, um, the, that's, that's why some of our very well-versed veteran stock and super stock guys are, uh, they got their AARP card a while ago. I mean, they just, they, they understand that they've been there since the beginning. And, uh, um, so we're trying, we are, we've got younger guys and, and excitement to come in. We are all the time trying to hire younger guys to be part of the tech department, uh, whether that's a member track level and then move them around and use them at national and divisional event levels. But uh, we've got some very solid divisional event teams, and uh, and I'm proud to say that uh, that I'm part of that team with those guys, and uh, they accepted me well. I, I knew most of them as I came in here when I was here on the racer side, and. Uh, it's just it's it's been great for to come in here and have a team already in place that uh, that has a passion for stock super stock racing for comp eliminator and uh, and I, I come to support them in any way possible. Let's talk about the um, the, the AHFS system right now, Lonnie. Um, we know all the the new horsepower factors were just released on NHRRacer.com. Uh, are you guys thinking about any, like, can you just give us a little bit of insight as to how that program works? You, you don't personally review those. You, you have like a staff that reviews those and you guys are starting to take into consideration um, run completions now you said, right. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the, um, so AHFS came about uh, a few years ago when for many years within a, in a, within NHRA, it really was a, a committee decision, a personal opinion. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of different ways you could explain it. And uh, it was really just people getting together uh, that said, hey, I think this combination needs, needs horsepower. Or this combination needs a reduction. Uh, and, uh, and as well as it may have been data-driven, 
there was nothing on paper. So it really seemed that it might have been just a personal uh, a, a personal opinion or a vendetta. Uh, the uh, but at the same token, we go back and feel like that that they did have data to support their decisions. AHFS comes along and it's a system that's developed that truly just uses data, leaves all the in it in for the most part leaves all the opinions out, even though the very in sentence in AHFS says that if you are if you are holding it back, if you are hiding it, if you are trying to cover it up, AHFS has the ability to make the change. They don't. It doesn't have to have data, but the primary purpose and the primary purpose of AHFS is that it has its data driven. Up until recently, those data driven points were quarter mile. And so within AHFS, the, you know, the 120, one second is kind of the cautionary flag. The 120 is the big, is the flag goes up. And so, all right. So as a stock racer, you told me that 120. So that means um. I'm always going to try to be 119, or if the one second is the cautionary, I'm just going to go 99. And so for a period of time, that's what we've had. We've had guys that that didn't race their combination to its full potential uh, because maybe they were some of the quicker in their division or in their area, so they didn't have to show the hand. Uh, uh, for a while, we went through with the pandemic and everything else, we went through a situation where there wasn't much class racing uh, you know, so there was a little bit of uh, downfall there, but I looked at it as I came in here and start to understand AHFS and how it works and how it was uh, being manipulated by some. And, and that number I think is small, but, uh, but still everybody else pays attention to that small number that does it, uh, because usually a G stock automatic, that one guy, I'm not, I'm just, that's a hypothetical combination, but G stock automatic, you got one say there's 50 cars across the country and you got one guy playing the game, then uh, he makes it bad for everybody else. So, uh, so nonetheless, so I've said uh, most recently when I came here, uh, we worked with the SRAC committee and talked with them and said, Hey, what I'd like to do is use uh, more data points uh, to look at the AHFS. If the quarter mile data 100% supports a change, just go verify it with some of the incremental data, thousand foot, eighth mile. And so, uh, uh, and probably more on, uh, more on additions than deductions that, uh, that the data points are used, you know, I, I got, you know, the AHFS does work that way that you can ask for a reduction, uh, in horsepower, but, uh, but mostly it's inclined to give horsepower where needed. So um, I just briefly looked at the list that came online uh, yesterday, day before, and uh, there's uh, it's, I don't know if people expect to go see 60 combos that got hit or five, you know, but there is a, there's a moderate amount of combos and some of them are kind of interesting. And, uh, and that team that the AHFS committee that works on that uh, seems to do a great job. And uh and I think there is improvement to be had in HFS as we move forward, but at least, at least we're, we're continually trying to step in the right direction. I have a question about that reduction side of things. So the way I understood it is once it's been, once there's been horsepower added, it can never be reviewed for a reduction. 
That is my understanding as well, with the exception that the, that that last. Um, so I'll throw this scenario at you. Uh, one guy comes out, uh, in particular, you know, in uh, mine shaft weather conditions, but not mine shaft qualifying so in ahfs it's considered mine shaft when it goes over 85 so if the top half of the field is more than 85 under then it's only the 120 that's looked at it's not the bottom so so when i say a guy shows up in a mine shaft condition not by qualifying but truly by weather it's 60 it's 58 degrees outside it's 30 it's 30 barometer uh and he just, it's fantasy land that day. But somehow or another, the, the top half doesn't get to 85. Just that combination of love today. And uh, that guy goes out there and just pile drives it. The uh, does, and there's 37 cars in the country that win that category. If you said that it got horsepower and it never gets reducted or reduced, then that particular scenario, that guy just killed everybody in one fantasy land situation. And so that's where the AHFS can look back and override those, those uh, decisions that were made along the way. If those decisions were made in 36 other cars in the category, don't show anything close to the performance of that particular car. So then that leads you to question, did that car get torn down? Or did it did it run maybe in a way it wasn't supposed to? And so the performance came from that there were, those runs came late in the race or in and the HFS is really supposed to work through qualifying. Uh, Bobby, is it is it all runs or qualifying? Your best qualifying your final qualifying run. Like yeah, yeah. not your final run, your final position. So yeah, your yeah, best. So, so, like I said, there could be situations that, like I talk about in that scenario, that you would go, hey, we can't just lock this down to where we never give it back. Uh, but uh, but that is the general rule, correct? If you received horsepower, it should be very difficult uh, because there was indicators that you received, that your category received it. And we don't do stock, super stock, like uh, uh, as personal indexes. So, it is, uh, it's old school comp eliminated. I mean, if uh, one person, if one G-Stock automatic gets gets he gets the category hit, the whole category is hit, you know. Uh, and so, it's a uh, it's a tough road. AHFS uh, would work really well if I could ever talk to anybody. Let's just go racing. Let's just oil it, ice it, get it down to minimum weight. Let's go race. Show what it's about. Well, Lonnie, we could do that. We could do that that make the system way more efficient. How about if they give these racers a reason to do that, take 80 cars, qualify 64 of them or, or take more. Don't take 50 cars at a national event. I mean, that's, there's no reason I shut my car off three qualifying passes in a row, trying to find a spot on the ladder. I know I'm not going to have a heads up and I know I'm not, not making the field. So if you, make me have to make the show like Indy was up until this year, then everybody's going to show their hand. Everybody has to, to get in. So I think that's one way we could do it. Um, 
I think that's the main way. We have to open up these quotas a little bit. They're just they're just so low. I mean, you can't you take 50 cars in Superstock. There's like 90 different classes. So you're never going to have a heads up. Uh, very rare. And you're not going to give anybody a reason to really open it up. And even with record setting, there's no, there's no, like we used to get a page in the National Dragster that showed all the records that were currently held. A lot of stock and super stock drivers, they, they live for this. They would rather set a record. They want to win a class trophy more than they want to win a national event, especially some of the older generation. That's, that's the way this class was a performance class to them, you know, way back when we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, but any, I mean, any of those points ever possible? Can we increase these quotas? Can we make people race for a position? There is ongoing discussions of how do we make things better? We've, uh, um, to say we can't make it all better overnight, uh, you know, there is a, there's a lot of areas that uh, that we are looking to improve, and uh, stock super stock is one of them. And, and there is there is many things uh, there has been many things discussed, uh, and we're going back to some of those for more discussions. Some of those are some of the things that you mentioned. Uh, the uh, we. Again, I, I think in 2022, we'll see continued improvement and, uh, and we'll finally find the right balance or the right place. Uh, you know, if we go back, there was same similar conversations had 20 years ago with the, but uh, quotas were much larger. Uh, there was, uh, uh, but there was still always a frustration value to this or that in particular to a, to a national event. And so, uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. There is, uh, there is a lot to, there's a lot of ways that we can improve and, uh, and we just want to be down. We want to, we want to improve in the right direction and how does it fix it? Uh, some of us play very much devil's advocate. We can come up with our own great idea and then start to try to shoot holes in it and where won't it work and why won't it work and what's the problem's going to be. But still yet, I come from a, I come from a glass half full positive outlook, uh, you know, uh, spend money to make money business mind. The, uh, so I, I do think that there are ways that we can look and improve and, and, and also accept uh, uh, input. Uh, anybody's input is good input, you know? Uh, so, uh, cause sometimes it'll make you look at something from a different, uh, from a different viewpoint. So, so yeah, so you had some you had some great points, and uh, the I look forward to us figuring out uh, a good way to improve. And uh, just like uh, in the pre-show where we were having that conversation about that red, white, and blue oval, the uh, we were talking about the yeah the NHRA oval, <laughs> and uh, the and so that's there's a lot of things that's going to improve that. That's exactly right. But it's, there's a lot of things that's going to improve that. I was that 16 year old kid that thought that was the coolest thing I saw every day was a uh, red, white, and blue NHRA oval on the back of a dually or a pickup or, or a 69 Camaro. And what made it even cooler than that was that dually had a five gallon plastic gas can with a spout out the back of it, you know, it uh, sticking over the bed. And uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world as a young kid. I have some great friends across the country that are pretty influential that when I tell that story, we all get goosebumps. We all were that kid. And what I look forward to is I look forward to getting the next generation of 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds to think that that red, white, blue NHRA oval is really cool. So I didn't mean to get off track uh, and, and for what you were talking about, but there is 
there's a lot of things and a lot of directions that uh, that is in play, that's in the mix that we want to improve and make better. I just say that that I want the experience of our customer, and our customer is our race car, is our driver, our car owner, our family of that team, the fan that's going to sit, the spectator. Uh, so they're all customers, and uh, I just want to uh, I just wanted to elevate the experience of our customer or the opportunity to have a great time. Well, I think the, and not to beat a dead horse, like we talk about all the time, but you know, the people out there listening to this, you know, don't feel, you know, if you think expanding the quotas, like right NHRA, like, like don't be a jerk about it, but just politely say, Hey, maybe we open up the quota where there's 10 guys not making the show. You know what? Instead of 60 cars, we're going to take 70, but only 60 are going to race, you know? And if it's all laid out there in front, like I said, that's going to fix the AHAs. It's, but it's also going to allow more people to come try to be a part of that. Like, I know for me, in an area where it's hard to get grade points, it's, you know, you really got to, you, you have very limited options to making some of these races. And after going to my first one, I'm going to really try to prioritize being more of a part of the NHRA and chasing it to try to be a part of the big show. Cause it was definitely an experience unlike I've ever seen before. And I think back. I love the, I love the idea of, uh, of qualifying obviously all of our other categories especially in the camping world side any of the heads up classes uh um the uh and back when you had great car counts uh, you know they'd show up and this is and you are trying to qualify and so i i love the whole deal about qualifying and uh the i think it's a great idea uh you know the economy is always a always a question. We think that we are uh, we think that we are headed in uh, in uh, a pretty fair direction, and uh, the uh, but it's always we're always mindful of uh, of what the cost is to the customer, and so uh, you know I at the end of the day it's not my department, but I'd love you know anytime there is there any talk about sponsorship or contingency or more money in payouts or. I'm all about helping any of those departments that ask for my help. And, and I think uh, I've been pretty involved with contingency this year and uh, with uh, David Kennedy and Evan Jonet. And, uh, and we've made some strides. We've made some strides to make things better. And, and as we make things better and, and uh, you know, outside companies see that uh, there's some interest, uh, you know, the people that are involved with the inside the contingency program, uh, and so we are making some strides with, uh, with contingency postings as well. And so, uh, I just, I want to see it all get better. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, this, this is a big cruise ship. It's not a jet boat. And, uh, but the day I come on board and they let me walk through the bridge, I grabbed the steering wheel and started turning. And, uh, and there's a big group of people that, that support me in doing that. So, uh, and, and I'm blessed to have that upper management and uh, uh, truly at the end of the day uh, some people won't believe this but uh, but our upper management team at nhra want to make tomorrow better than yesterday well and i think one of the biggest things i've got out of this conversation is so we always talk about how do you get more people involved like how do we get more people in stock super stock how do we get more people at the drag strip and i think something that kind of jumped out at me is your passion like you're passionate about growing you're passionate about being involved you're passionate about the relationships you know we want to we want to make it qualifying, you know, look at, I, I don't sport, I don't follow sports, but just, you don't make the Super Bowl based off of how many games you played. You have to qualify and make playoffs and make the right decisions. And that, 
that competition and that just that whole level of excitement is really trying to make the race to make to make the field and make you know that to me the excitement is what's going to bring people in nobody wants to come in and just oh yeah it's the same guys all the time they went to all the races you know that yeah is it expensive am i going to drive eight hours for a chance to maybe not make the field well you know that's a decision you're going to make personally but there's a lot of cars out there that would love to try and I think by giving them the option, if they don't show up, you're still going to have your 60-car field. But if you can get 10 more guys that have a chance, we're going to be a lot more excited about trying to go. And I think young people watching are going to, you know, people watching know that enthusiasm. That's what I noticed about the national event. You know, everybody was excited to be there. Everybody it was, you know, mouths open. It was jaw-dropping everywhere they went. They got to see all kinds of cool stuff they'd never seen before. And we just have to be able to get that enthusiasm enthusiasm transferred over to the next generation one of the things that uh i was listening when bobby was on stage with uh, tony pedregon and uh and tony pointed this out and bobby same way is uh one of the things that that we could work on on a marketing side social media there's a lot of platforms coming forward in nhra there's there's other shows being developed that haven't been released that is more on a, of a one-on-one the behind the scenes. And it's not behind the scenes with John force. It's behind the scenes with Bobby Fazio. It's uh, it's behind the scenes with, with our sportsman racers and uh, it's lifestyle. And, uh, and really it's a passion about the lifestyle. And so what we want to do is we want to, uh, we want to get it to where at the end of the day, uh, we're all on the same page. We all have passion for this passions, what drive this, what drives this. And, uh, along the way, it'll separate some of the people that, uh, uh, that either need to find that passion to go a little quicker or, uh, or they will get left behind. And, uh, and the qualifying deal is, a is, is a great way to, to look at that, at, uh, the possibility of doing that. So. Lonnie, how about, um, not only qualifying, but just trying to run more eliminations in front of the crowd. I know this year, this year that just passed, there were quite a few events where they qualified and then ran first round that night. That really takes away from the national event experience for somebody, especially like Brian just hit his first national event this year. That's not, a, it would not have been a good experience for him. When I started running a national events, we would qualify Thursday run class on Friday in front of the crowd and then run first round on Saturday in front of the crowd. I mean, you were into Saturday already just by, just by showing up. We kind of got away from that. And I think if we ran in front of more eyeballs, maybe that would help. I I spoke to more vendors than I I can even uh, count this past weekend. And if they saw us race in front of more people, they might be into contingency or sponsoring or things like that. But the fact that we're running and we're eliminating half the field on a Thursday, possibly, or not even running class or, you know, running class on Thursday in front of nobody heads up racing that that crowd could uh, relate to, they're maybe not inclined. So it's kind of what I was getting at with Tony Pedragon. Usually somebody sees our cars and says, wow, this is a nice car. When do you race? I lost two days ago. I'm just still here. Oh, okay. Never mind then. So... (laughs) And I was going to mention that that's where I was headed with that was the whole car show thing is, uh, is letting our marketing department that you know, let everybody know that as, as far as stock super stock goes, I mean, it is, it is truly, it is a car show. It, uh, 
to a to a muscle car uh, vintage enthusiast, which now includes modern, late model, uh, you know, Cobra, Cobra jets, Copos, that kind of things. But still, yet you're liable to walk through there and find you a Thunderbolt. You know, you're liable to find you a bubble top Impala and uh, a 409 car. Uh, definitely plenty of Chevelles and 67, 89 Camaros. And, and so just a big mixture of cars. And so if you, if, if just as a car buff or a, a history buff, a car show person, stock super stock is definitely the pits to go for the car show. And, uh, and we could do a better job with that. The, as far as marketing, that that is something to see. I do completely understand what you're saying as, uh, in 2021, there was, uh, some, some, there was quite a few changes that still took place in events moving around and, and adjusted abbreviated schedules. Um, there was, there were situations where the, there seemed to be a lot more three day events last year. Those are really, really tough. Um, the, in even the four day events that, uh, that we had, there seems to be a lot more categories put in a four day event. Uh, but at the same token, uh, scheduling and trying to get, uh, trying to get started, trying to get done at a decent early hour of the evening. Uh, this goes back to the teardowns. The schedule sometimes made it where I'm not going to go tear a guy down in the middle of second round. Uh, because our schedule doesn't allow us to come back uh, for him to come back in a reasonable amount of time. So did we get through qualifying? Could we, could we stay late going forward and take care of any teardowns post qualifying before, before first round? And so, because when we start eliminations, it's very difficult to find time to do it then. So there, there are some, again, this goes back to those improvements. Uh, we want to listen to, uh, and that's a great point that you bring up that, uh, uh, from time to time, and I'm going to get bashed. I'm sure by saying this from the dot 90 guys, but from time to time, why don't we swap around dot 90 with the uh, stock super stock, you know, the, uh, to where we move stock super stock into a little later in the morning. Uh, the crowd is arriving or, and also in the mid afternoon, uh, we still have to get those people to, to be interested enough to sit in the stands and watch them, uh, instead of leave the stands and, and go visit the pit area, which we love as NHRA too, because one ticket is a pit pass and it is go anywhere you, you want. Um, so there's a lot of catch 22s there, but, uh, but again, uh, even behind this call, uh, I want to develop a great relationship with you and, and you hear, uh, voices from a lot of different directions. And so, uh, you know, you, you almost turn into with your podcast and, and your attachment to the stock super stock world is you almost are your own SRAC committee. It's so. <laughs> kind of what's happened. Yeah. Um, I get emails and texts from people asking me to go, you know, petition to, uh, nhra about things and i'm I'm, that's that wasn't my intention but i i'll i do my best Uh, my main thing is and i know this is probably not your department lonnie is tv time tv exposure for stock and super stock i was fortunate enough i got my 10 seconds on on fs1 uh when i won um that that would be great a few years ago i spoke with peter clifford when he was the president this was in 2017 he actually sent me over to the fox trailer he said go ahead in 
and talk to them. Um, that year, they they tried to highlight sportsman classes a little bit here and there. They showed more than just that one final round recap. They actually showed a couple rounds of super stock from one race, a couple rounds of stock from one race, a couple rounds of a dot ninety class from one race. Is there any way to get back to that? Because this then all circles back around to sponsors and contingency. If if I had lots of money in a business, I'm only going to put it into somewhere where I know there's going to be eyeballs on on my name or whatever. TV exposure would be great, and it would help grow, again, the car show. So any way that you can maybe help with that, put a, put a petition in? So that is one of the things I just mentioned that's in the works. There is, uh, there is four new platforms of TV coming, and it's not in regards to uh, Camping World. It's, uh, it is more of the... Um, as we used to say, and we and we no long for a long time we don't call it Miss Division, we don't call it Motel Six, but Motel Six was whenever I was there. And so on the big screen, there was I was uh, there was a bunch of us that was blessed enough to be able to do these, but they were called Sportsman Spotlights, and it was your it was your own three minutes of fame uh, that uh, and those are yes, so we are on the same page. I want to get back to there. I don't control the TV department, but the TV department is super excited about the direction that uh, that NHRA is the tech department that we are trying to drive the thing uh, from upper management, how they're trying to do things. Everybody is on board right now, uh, and it's just the general public that does not know that we are all trying to work together for that common goal. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of great things in the works that I hope come to pass, and uh, and one of them is being able to spotlight the sportsman racer in a much better way than we've been doing. Anytime we put in, and I know that they got, uh, we really never see the, the, the big screen without product on it. Meaning that if they're running tractors, changing categories, waiting on top fuel or whatever, it's running something. But, uh, but I'm like you throughout the event, there's gotta be, uh, it's got to be part of that time that uh, we could go back to the old sportsman spotlight. And uh, it was very beneficial to me whenever I was able to do it. And, uh, but there are other platforms, our social media, that never was a social media team in NHRA and the, uh, and social media uh, with Joe, with Nikki, they are, they really try to live in the sportsman pits and get those stories, those bit from the pits and, uh, the deal is, is that what we probably need to do a better job of is, is if we do want to, I call them shorts, is we do one of those short shoots or a social shoot, social short with, uh, with uh, uh, a sportsman racer. Somehow or another, he needs to know when it went up, when it's ready, how do I get a copy of it? How do I get self-tagged? Whatever the case is. And so, because some of those things go up and they're viewed by, tens of thousands of people and the person that was in it never even knew that it went up, you know? So <laughs> it's uh we're just, there is, there's a, there's a lot of segments that we're trying to make better and trying to figure out ways to make it better. And truly the one you just talked about, about spotlighting the sportsman and, and having some on camera TV coverage, some round coverage. Uh, there are, there's four platforms going into place in 2022 that hope that hopefully start to uh, make those things happen. And that was one thing that Tony 
Tony Pedragon actually mentioned to me about you guys putting things up on social media. He pointed out the fact that the uh, stock eliminator final from Epping, New Hampshire this year was a heads up final double a stock automatic, a, a 64, uh, 64 Plymouth fury versus a 69 Camaro. It got over a million views when NHRA posted it up on Facebook. It absolutely buried. I mean, every other video they posted from that race. And, and, I mean, it might've been one of their most viewed videos of the whole year. So he even noticed that. And he said, wow, that, that was amazing. And that was a good final. And those were cool cars going down the track. That's just all I'm trying to get out there. And that'll, that's, that's the last time you're going to hear me say it now on this uh, episode. Cause uh, I know it's not really your department, but I just get super excited about it. No. And, and we are on the same page. So it's, uh, you know, I come here and, and I don't, I don't use the word. That's not my department. It's, uh, you know, if, uh, if somebody needed me to fold up the trash bag and take the trash out, that's, that's my department. Meaning that, uh, if, uh, it, we want to see racers succeed and figure out how to get more TV time, that's my department because when it all goes back and we talk about that event experience is, is providing that opportunity to have a much better event experience. It's all of our departments. So. Uh, meaning that uh, if we're working through the same common goals at, at the end of the day, it's not about, well, that's not my job. It may not be my job to pull the trigger on it, but it will be my job to have that conversation with the next group of guys, uh, people over at TV and go, hey, how can we work towards this? And, uh, and I'm not one that accepts that, that answer no without an explanation very well as well. That's why. Whenever we talked earlier, I, I talk about how I interact with the customer. If the answer is no, at least I'll try to give you a, a, a very solid foundational reason as to why. And I'd rather you just tell me, you know, you don't have time or, or we're not interested or whatever, but I'm going to get you interested because it's going to be like that. Uh, it's going to be like that old Shawshank Redemption. I'm going to keep sending a letter till they, till they fill our library full of, <laughs> till they fill the library full of books. So. Well, I'm sure you're getting a lot of letters uh, now for, or have you been getting a lot of calls with the, uh, since the horsepower ratings went out then? Not a lot. They, uh, I'm, I'm sure that uh, it'll take a day to sink in or so, but so far uh, the phone hasn't rang off the hook. A, a few messages here and there. We had one that uh, he had put in a request and uh, he, and he didn't see his request at all in the list, like yes, no, or, so, uh, we had, you know, did you, did you forget about me? And so we, we looked back and, uh, and so, yeah, we needed, we had to answer, we needed to answer him back to, uh, but yeah, so, so far it's, uh, it's not been, been a big blow up at all. Well, I was very excited when I saw it, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get reduction, but there's a few, uh, cars that I run against too, that got some much needed horsepower. So thank you for the so Christmas you, present. So when you guys looked at that and, uh, you know, so, so you weren't in the list, do you look at it and go, I think all those were well-deserved, whether they got reduction or got horsepower that, uh, yep. Uh, as far as you may not know each and every combo, but for the ones you do, did know, uh, did you think that, did it look like we got it right? Yeah, I, I went in there only knowing one that I thought should get it, and it got it, and uh, that was it. I didn't know all the other ones though. All right, 
there was there was three specific ones that I'd raced against and lost to that I thought that's kind of phony. Which don't get me wrong, I'm working hard this winter to make my own stuff better. But I mean, that's part of it. There's some that I mean, it's no different than my combination, the '99 Camaro when it came out at 305 horse. Now it's at 382. Like obviously, it was light. <laughs> but you know, I'm pulling against the 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 Challengers and the 15 Camaros. You know, that thing's getting pretty trued up pretty fast. I mean, it's at least you feel like you got a chance, you know, so the corrections it, I think the automatic horsepower is working. I think just being able to tie in some of that split time. And like you guys are just talking, like it makes me excited about continuing working on mine. Like it felt hopeless for a little bit, but you know, I'm a stubborn Norwegian. I'm going to put my nose down and just keep pounding my head against the wall until we go faster. When, when, when we saw the, for you guys, when you saw the changes or adjustments come out, was that a what you consider to be a average number of adjustments that you've seen each year, or uh, no, uh, you know, a little bigger list, and and it may be a situation a little bigger list some years than others, but was uh, this year was reasonable or no? Looked like it had a few more categories in it. That's a good question. I don't. I to me it looks the same. I don't usually. Uh, it doesn't usually affect me much. And I run a small block forward, so I might just glance in there and see. And I don't ever really pay attention to much of the other ones. This year, I was looking at a few Chevy combos that I thought went really fast, and I just wanted to make sure. Um, and they got hit. But uh, I, I think it was about average. I, I don't know. I guess I've been looking at it for about 12 years now. And, um, yeah, I'll just say it was about average. I wish I had a better answer for you. I can't remember. Hey, but at least the ones that you were looking for, you know, uh, so sad for them, but at least the ones yeah. that you had interest in, you found in uh, Brian as well, you know, that, uh, that question so that probably does, determines if you were hit or if you were reduced, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you think about it in the, in the vast majority of the, of stock super stock, that is a very small number, uh, of adjustments. Uh, you know, when you talk about the category as a whole. And so, uh, so again, I, I, I only hope that most competitors that are sitting at home that have had an opportunity to look at those lists uh, have found those lists to be just like you found. Uh, there will be those guys that they're on the list. And so I'm, I'm, some will be like, hey, it's just racing. I know I went fast. Uh, and then there'll be others that just start crying from the word go. So. I saw a lot of rejections and some of them I was like, who would write that in that I've seen that thing go fast, like a hundred times this year. Like, well, crazy. We, <laughs> that customer is like, wow, well, you know, maybe they weren't, maybe, maybe nobody saw it. You, know, <laughs> you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take Bobby. Come on. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> this is, true. I mean, we're is in, true. We're in this to go fast and we went race stock and super stock if we weren't trying to get fast. So I think if you're, if you're driving a car and you know it's bogus and you get hit and you have a, yeah, you're probably mad at the guy that hit it, but you know what? That's how it keeps it fair. At some point, your car is going to not be super underfactored and you're going to appreciate that everybody else is getting hit also. Like, I think you're doing a great job. I'm really excited about what I've heard today and it probably has me more excited about NHRA racing than I have been since I started. So I don't know about that's you. That's my goal. And my goal is not to just make you excited, but really at the end of, at the end of some period of time, you look back and go, Hey, uh, you know, it's not only that guy, it's the whole team over there that has the, has the right mindset to start making a difference. 
And, uh, and so I, I truly want you to be excited by the words that I speak, but at the end of the day, I want you to be sold by the actions you see at the racetrack. Well, I'm just impressed that you're a racer at heart. Like you're, you're not this evil henchman in a three piece suit with that will respect my authority. Like I just, it's like I said, it's really awesome to see the guy in charge of tech being a, a racer at heart and just a genuine good guy that wants to see everybody succeed. And that's, that's really cool to see in a big organization like that. Like it's not the evil empire. It's you want us to all succeed. And I, I really appreciate that. So thanks for what you do. No, I appreciate it. Like uh, we, like we talked in a little bit of the, uh, of the pre-show just visiting through a bunch of number, a number of things. Uh, this job was not, posted online i didn't answer uh an application uh an online hey there's this national tech director job uh i was very very humbled that they have been watching where i've been what i've been doing over the past few years and uh, i can tell you for the last for the last 20 i've been a bronze level tech guy started in like 20 26 years ago but I, I, I did it not to go to work for NHRA. There was some other help them, teach them a little bit on the electronic side and be able to attend the safety seminars and banquets at the end of the year. But, uh, but yeah, so for, for 20 plus years, I did uh, no way, shape or form did I know that I was working towards this job. So um, NHRA reached out and, and asked if I, if I had some interest, wanted to come visit. And uh, so, I was very much humbled by the phone call and, and respect them enough to go visit. And uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, here you are. Here I am, the National Tech Director of the NHRA. It's kind of like the first motorhome or toter home I had with a 460 Detroit in it. It was a long ways away from the Dodge Dooley that needed a couple quarts of oil just to get to the racetrack. And so the first time I pull up at a, a truck stop in a motorhome truck and it's 40 foot long got a stacker trailer t and e stacker trailer hooked behind it and it's all polished and shined up i think i walked around that thing two or three times walked out in the parking lot to look at it with the chicken lights on over there get fuel and uh and very humbled that uh you know where i was able to make it to uh throughout the throughout my racing career and now throughout the the technical and event career so happy to be here all right lonnie well Keep up the good work. I do real quick uh, before we let you go. Spot checks—they're going to continue into next year. We hope. Yes. Um, Indy teardowns—you guys did a great job there. I saw you getting a lot of cars in and out of that barn. We will. Um, and uh, just to flash back about five minutes ago, when people getting hit or hitting a combo—is there a way to make sure that the hitter is legal? Is there a way if somebody goes 120 under instead of penalizing the whole, you know, everybody that runs that car, are we going to make sure that that 120 under run was done legally? Is there a way yes. to do that? Yes. In fact, uh, throughout the year this year, did uh, did we have a few of those? And uh, you know, from a from a 305 two barrel, I remember at uh, Charlotte uh, that. Uh, still just as important to go tear it down as would be a 375 396 or a 425 427 uh so the uh, so the answer to that question is yes that uh, our intention is that 
because it is, it's effective across the board. Now, if it's the, if it's the only guy in the country with a Z Y stock automatic, you know, a Z stock automatic or whatever, then maybe it is a little bit different to be able to seal it, check what you can, you know, it's, it's effective to him, but uh, that, but that doesn't mean it's a category that won't be interesting to somebody else down the road. So very much uh, we want to protect anytime 120 gets hit that we know uh, it is going to uh, be a, a, a very much a flag to AHFS. Uh, I think that uh, I think satisfying the legality of that uh, of that entry uh, makes a lot of sense to the whole rest of the category so that they do. So at the end of the day, uh, what I hope people say is job well done. And I would add to that, if you're really disappointed that you got hit with horsepower, call Nitro Joe, get his stats book, and look and see, all right, how fast, what was the average of every combination? That guy's awesome. You know, you got down here in Central Arkansas, you got Dwight Sutherland. You know, Dwight does quite a bit uh, in helping guys figure out, you know, what class their car would run if they wanted to build something. And and Nitro Joe is like the go-to, you know, he's the Brett Kepner of statistics. I mean, just that – that guy, it's, if you want to know something, call Natural Joe. And, and we have that same database, you know, the, but but we're not in it on it and, and work with it like he does every day. We have it as a lifetiming database. And we'll go in and make spreadsheets on certain combos that we want to look at. And so we have the ability to pull all that data. It's just, uh, gosh dang, man, that's a lot of effort. And, uh, and he does a great job. I, I know I'm not supposed to we're the NHRA. I'm supposed to talk about NHRA, but, but still yet at the end of the day, man, I want, if you've got a race car, I don't care where you go race it, just go race it. And, uh, and at the end of the day, if we're doing the job we're supposed to do, uh, I, I cordially invite you to come race NHRA. Try it once. If you've not been there in a while, come back and see what the experience is like now. Give me one more chance. If, uh, if you have been coming and, and you don't like what you see, let me know. And uh, so, again, goes back to, Bobby, when you talked about me being approachable. Yep, definitely. And uh, and most of the time in my position, I'm going to get approached by a guy that's pretty well frustrated. Might be even a little pissed off right now. <laughs> and uh, the and I don't mind having those conversations at that moment because it's truly, it's heart and soul conversations right then. And, but if it's a little too heated, uh, we can – we can talk later. It's just, I don't take none of it personally. And so, uh, and in some great conversations over the past years, very heated conversations about rules or, or throwing somebody out or whatever, somehow or another, we ended up at Outback two weeks later, three weeks later, you know, cooking dinner at the motor. So it's, uh, again, I don't, I don't take it personal but I don't have, uh, I don't have any notches on a belt or anything like that, that I'm trying to make marks with. And, uh, there is, uh, um, I, I have no goal to how many people I can find that are illegal or how many people I could throw out of an event. It's, uh, I truly want everybody to race and, uh, and I want them to enjoy it and, and continue their passion, rebuild their passion or find their passion and let's go race it. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much, Lonnie Grimm. We really appreciate you spending the uh, day with us here, and uh, we can't thank you enough. We are looking forward to 2022 and what you have in store for us. And uh, anybody out there, racers, if you you know want to talk to Lonnie, 
you know, go, go up, say hello to him, introduce yourself. And I'm sure he will be happy to talk to you. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you very much. Lonnie Grimm, Brian Anderson, Craig, you can take us home, sir. Thanks again, Lonnie. You too. Classracingtoday.com. Check out the website if you want to help support the show. Don't forget, you can now do it with the donate button there. Otherwise, share this out to your friends and tell them all about the show. More listeners is always good. Thanks again, Lonnie, for taking time with us. For Brian and Bobby, this is Craig. Have a great time. We'll see you next time. See you later.